Hello, this is Alexander Siddig, and you're listening to Neil Before Pod, and don't tune out. Neil Before Blog presents Neil Before Pod. Hello, and welcome to another Omega Level edition of Neil Before Pod, the podcast that just can't afford the property prices in the astral plane. I'm your host Craig, and this episode focuses on the final episode of Legion Season 2, also known as Chapter 19. And thankfully, there are more than just different versions of me on this podcast, there are actually other people. So, Chris, hi. Hello. Thanks for not being a figment of my personality. That's what you think. I'm, I'm not sure how to say, what to say to that. I mean, if part of my personality is Chris. What does that say about me? Part of you is awesome. <laughs> yeah, which part <laughs> uh, and Aaron you're also hello. here hello yes and now what I really wanted to do at this point is um, is be able to perfectly mimic your voice to really throw you off but unfortunately I'm not good at that so yeah different accents different voices yes yeah, it's, it's hard but whatever um so, we are here to discuss the final episode of Season 2 of Legion. There will be a third season, so thank God for that, based on this episode, at least as far as I can tell. However, we'll get into that later. Um, our hit new features first. Is it still new? I think it's still new. We have scoured the internet to find things that we like and don't like. Uh, so that we Literally scoured them. it. Literally scoured it. So that we can kneel before them and rise against them. Uh, so, we'll start with our kneel before. Aaron, what are you kneeling before? I'm going to pick um, season three of Humans uh, for my Neil before. Um, the season two didn't really do much for me. It felt a bit lost. And yet, despite that, season three has come back in with a bit of purpose. It's like they've injected a bit more race relations. There's... There's a bit more into it from the original season about what it means to be uh, a synthetic human. And it, it feels like it's found itself again. And I'm, I'm actually really enjoying this season, whereas, yeah, I think I could have happily just skipped over season two. Cool. I've never seen Humans. It is, again, on that list. You don't want to see that list. It's long, but um, I've never seen it. I really enjoyed uh, season one. Season two, I was kind of the same as you, Aaron. I thought I was a little bit disappointed with it. Um, and uh, for that reason, season three has been sitting recording on my box next door, uh, waiting to be watched. But now that you've recommended it, I think I'll, I'll pick it up now that I've got one less TV show to watch a week. Uh, watch yeah. it instead of being on this podcast, he's just left. <laughs> I'm off. See you later. <laughs> cool. Uh, I'll get around to it one of these days. If anyone wants to fund my lifestyle by donating to the website and uh, letting me have like a year off to watch all the TV shows that I see I'm going to watch one day, that'd be great. Some bored Chinese billionaire or any kind of billionaire. Give me a couple of million quid and then I'll be happy. Is, is that so, how much it would take, is it? A couple million? <laughs> I could have a few years off. Okay. Chris, what are you kneeling before? I am kneeling before uh, Patty Jenkins has revealed um, some new details about Wonder Woman and a couple of uh, set pictures as well, which look rather cool. There's some little teaser images that have been released and also a hint, a hint 
at the possibility of a title of Wonder Woman 1984. Indeed. I haven't seen Wonder Woman's 2 through 1983, so there's some catching <laughs> up to do. Oh, you should. They're very good. Add, add them all to your list. So DC hasn't made two th- nearly 2,000 films, have they? They've just announced nearly 2,000 films. Yeah, they've kind of done a Blade Runner and other such things, <laughs> where they've just added a bigger number to the end. Yeah. Yes, and one of those pictures is of Chris Pine, which is like, ooh. Yeah, pro- proper confusing, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. I think it'll be like a flashback. She'll be like haunted by the memory of him or something. Yeah, I, I, I suspect so, but uh, you never know. You never know. Never saw him die. You never saw him die, and you, they never followed the Chris McCrell rule of showing the decapitated corpse. This is true. Although I did say that in iZombie there was a talking decapitated corpse, so your theory doesn't always hold up. It does in all the stuff that this part of your brain watches. Indeed. <laughs> See, what they'll do is they'll just do time travel. Everybody's doing time travel. I can't believe that somebody isn't going to miss a chance to do more time travel. Ah, that's true, actually. Yeah, yeah. It is possible. Or he just never died. We will find out in, I think, 2020? I think so, yes. Something like that. Yeah. It's good to see that DC are actually making a film. You know, instead of just announcing one and then never making it. Yes, yes. Well, there are are other films in the works. Some have even hired new writers. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think The Flash starts filming soon, which will be a real neat trick without a script. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But then season four of The Flash managed without them, so (laughs) I'm sure the film can manage too. The copy in the TV show book, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they're just going to not make sense or do anything that's good. Yeah. Okay, that that swiftly went into a negative, but uh, yeah, Wonder Woman 1984. I am excited. I liked the first one. I'm looking forward to seeing more of it. Um, the setting it in the year 1984. I wonder if that's kind of a reference to the George Orwell dystopian novel. Mm. Could, Could be. be. Yeah. Well, the one of the images of uh, Diana standing in front of a bunch of TVs. So that's kind of. That's true, actually. I didn't pick up on that. Yeah. There we go. That's why you have this part of the brain. Thank God you're there. Thank God I'm there. So I am going to kneel before. It's quite an old story, but I recently discovered that it's actually coming out of the cinema. It's an animated DC film, so keeping on that theme. Uh, Teen Titans Go to the Movies. Uh, so I rewatched the trailer today because I hadn't seen it since it was announced, but I recently noticed there was a poster up at my local cinema. So it's actually going to be on the big screen, which is amazing. Um, the premise is that the Teen Titans, who consist of... Uh, Robin, Cyborg and and some others um, are sick of being forgotten sidekicks and they decide that they want a big blockbuster film because that's apparently how you get name recognition as a superhero. The only thing is they're lacking in a a nemesis so they try and turn Deathstroke into their nemesis. But there's all sorts of like fourth wall breaks where they speak to Green Lantern and say to him didn't you get a movie? And he's like yeah but we don't talk about that. And they speak to Superman who is voiced by Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage finally gets to play the role after such a long time of not playing the role. So, it looks fun. It looks kind of silly. Uh, I'm I'm kind of amped for it. I'll go to the cinema to see it. I kind of like I'm just I'm just watching the trailer in the background since you've started talking about it. I kind of like the animation style. Very silly. Yeah. Looks a lot of fun. <laughs> Does look fun. 
That sounds too much fun for me. I think I'll pass. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like I'll enjoy myself. I'd rather not. Yeah. No, I'm not up for that. <laughs> Can't be having me enjoying something that I watch. That would be that'd be horrible. Imagine that was that was that was going to be all the parts of Craig's brain uh, outing. <laughs> yeah, the the part of me that masochistic and hates stuff. Oh well. <laughs> so on to rise against, Aaron. What are you rising against? Um. So. I still struggle slightly to do some of these rise against, but I'm going to pick out um, this most recent series of The Handmaid's Tale, but only the last two episodes I've seen. So it's episodes two and three. So I'm not going to take the whole series, but specifically those two episodes for the reason that almost quite the opposite of human season three but then strangely maybe exactly the same as season two of humans i wonder if shows find season two really difficult to do because if you've got an idea you you play that fully out in season one and then someone says and now carry on and it feels like with the handmaid's tale they're they're struggling the first episode was good of season two because they were able to just riff off season one. They'd got some outstanding plot and they resolved it. And that worked. But then it really felt like the character stumbled out into open space with nothing to do. They've they've left behind some of the commentary on the society. They've they're not really got a lot of characters talking to each other or, or or trying to overcome large-scale problems. There, there, there are a few characters that have got some very personal problems that seem like they could be really well explored if they were done in detail, but the secondary characters don't get enough time to really do that detail, and the primary characters spend such a lot of time doing relatively little. And, and they've, 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 bring, they've brought some things in that would logically be in the universe for her to deal with, in this dystopian place, she would find things that are very reminiscent of some of the the nasty Eastern European wars that we've seen, uh, even as even as recently as you know the last decade or so. But it doesn't go anywhere, and it it feels like they've they've not really got anything to say at the moment. And I won't spoiler it, but what happens at the end of season three seems to just set the plot back to where we were before. But of course that could all change. I don't know what's going to happen. The rest of the season could be amazing, but uh, so I'm, I'm slightly kneeling. Sorry, what am I doing? I'm slightly re, re, uh, rising against just those two episodes as seeming a bit lost. Fair enough. I haven't seen this show. I've read the book though. Well, the book ends. The, the book is season one. You see, and I think that's possibly the the difficulty because the existing plot, the social commentary, has been made. And then somebody's obviously said, we've got an audience here, let, let's have season two. And it's like, okay, right, we have to step right out of the book now and say, what would happen if this character did somehow come out of that finale and go on and do other things? And at the moment, I'm not convinced that they've shown us there is a logical path to carry on. It's, it's, it's very much as if, well, Margaret Atwood said it all, so what do we say now and uh, and i think we we definitely need to find an answer to that pretty quickly otherwise season two is not going to do much 
or the show gets cancelled and then it's one of those just watch season one type shows. maybe yeah. absolutely uh, but then to go back to humans, humans season three found their stride again. They they struggled, I think, in season two, but then it's almost like they had new ideas. It just took them that time to do it. I could I could see Handmaid's Tale going the same way. They they struggle around for a bit, trying to deal with the consequences of season one, eventually break out of that, and then hit a really good new storyline in season three. Maybe it's maybe that's really difficult to do as early on as a as a season two. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I've not seen the show, so I can't really comment. Um, but fair enough. Uh, so I'm, so, I'm having a desperate attempt, by the way, here to to drag you all kicking and screaming into science fiction away from from supers, which is, of course, Neil Before Blog's bread and butter. I, think. <laughs> I don't think I've succeeded so far. Well, you're. I'm going to keep trying. Though. Talks about a superhero show, which mm-hmm. you know. You're fighting an uphill battle. I am, yeah. I'm going to keep trying, though. This is my thing. You're going to keep bringing the puns. I'm going to keep bringing in sci-fi. So <laughs> well, we're just going to have to see who wins. Superheroes are a form of sci-fi. So, you know, or at least some of them are. There we go. Chris, what are you rising against? Okay, well, I'm scraping the bottle of the barrel uh, for things to rise against, but something that has been absolutely unavoidable in my internet search for news to rise against is Love Island. <laughs> so, I am rising against Love Island. For those no, not that listeners. way, the other way. <laughs> for those listeners that don't know what Love Island is, Google it, go on. Google it. I, I dare you. Take, we will you. wait here for you to come back. Just Google Love Island right now. You will realise why I'm rising against it. And you will go, well done. Well done. Bravo, Chris. <laughs> uh, I, w- I want to hear you describe Love Island. You want me to describe Love Island? Yes. I, you know what? You brought it up. I, I did bring it up. I did bring it up. But I brought it up as I rise against it and I disagree with it. So therefore, go and Google it yourself. I'm I'm not dropping myself to their level. Love Island is exactly what you would expect a reality TV sh- show called Love Island to be. Yes, there love are men, Island. there are women, there is an island, there is love. Well, no, there's not. Need oh, I say no, more? There's not. There's not. <laughs> love well, there's not not love, not love in the way that you would perceive love. But there's not when anybody would. Anyone, yeah, yeah, actually, you're right. Yeah, it's, it's probably inappropriately titled. And I don't think it's a whole island. I think it's just one beach. But anyway, yeah. apart from that, <laughs> let's go to, with that. But now, see, I completely agree with Love Island. And if, if I was to describe it, I would say it's become a form of socially acceptable torture that people have allowed themselves to watch because <laughs> it is truly horrible. But it's somehow still accepted as as okay for us to do this to fellow human beings. I have heard people at work say, I wasn't going to watch it and now I'm hooked. And I spit at reality TV in pretty much all its forms because I just don't want to watch it. I just think that they just drag in the dregs of humanity and then parade them in front of people for their entertainment. And I suppose... That TV that's, audiences that's get what they um, TV audiences get what they deserve by watching these things, and therefore they get more of them. And you know, it's just this. Um, so I'm suddenly reminded of the the season one, or the well, yeah, the season one of the relaunch of Doctor Who, penultimate episode, where just these pe- people are inside a house on a ruined earth, just watching television, and that's what we're kind of heading towards. But um, 
yeah, reality TV, not a fan. Although, almost had a concept for another a new reality show um, recently. Uh, it's just not going to happen. Um, Isaac, who contributes to some of the podcasts, is going to London next week. And if Kat hadn't had a new job or was able to get away, she would have been coming up for the film festival. So it would have been some kind of flatmate swap type <laughs> reality show. I mean, it would have just been like, I don't know. People sitting watching Netflix and stuff, but <laughs> white wife swap, but with flat mates. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. It. yeah. Combined with Gogglebox, yeah. you just <laughs> watch two people who sort of know each other watch Netflix. I think, yeah. I think it, you've, yeah, it might have already been done. It's been two days, and and Cat hasn't killed Craig yet. Stuff like that. Oh no! Spoke too soon. He's gone. <laughs> that's it. He's dead, and no one's <laughs> no one's upset. It's fine. Okay, so rising against Love Island. We've made a stance against reality TV on this podcast, so that's our listenership declined from from un, uh, from unreleased number to a lower unreleased number. Can, can we jump in at this point, though, and just say, whereas I feel like there's a danger Craig just insulted maybe 60-80% of the entire British public. <laughs> Therefore, I want to step back and dissociate myself from Chris... Uh, sorry, not from Chris. Sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry. I want to well, dissociate I myself from Craig at this point. Absolutely, definitely. I do not wish to be taken. No, no comments supplied by Craig at this time shall be held to be the views of anybody else with him. But I will stand with Chris and say, yeah, Love Island is, is too horrible to carry on. What they do to the people that go on there is... is is just grim. I've never seen it, and I don't want to see it. So that's it. No. Yeah, it's not on my list of TV shows to catch up on. I am rising against. James Marsden is going to be the lead in the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Excellent. <laughs> no, no, no. This this Sonic the Hedgehog movie follows the template set by surefire hits such as Garfield, the Chipmunks. Um, what's that other one? The Smurfs. In that it is a blend of CGI and live action. What it's could possibly Sonic, go wrong? It's a Sonic the Hedgehog movie where he'll be like a CGI blue hedgehog interacting with real people in the real world. Does that not just define how bad this is going to be on its own? I don't know, I'm prepared to start jumping on board with this, it's so bad, it's a good thing that I normally don't like, but the way you've just described it as as, as that actor with that character I'm like, nah, that's brilliant let's, let's, let's see it, I don't know, car crash I'm not sure, but I, I don't know, there's some part there's some funny bone in my body that says I shouldn't rise against that just in case it's, it's a perverse pleasure that we can all get behind, I don't know well, what Just, you should go do is you should go watch the Smurfs and the infinite number of Chipmunks movies and possibly the two Garfield movies and then see how you feel about this sort of stuff afterwards. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, um, I don't know. I was like, I, I'm kind of confused as to why James Marsden's ended up in this because he's been doing really well in Westworld. I've been enjoying him in Westworld. Him. Yeah. <laughs> it's because Paul Ronson. <laughs> I like it. Um, that is actually the reason. All right. Okay. Well, fair enough. But yeah, I'm quite confused as to why he's ended up. But fair enough. Fair enough. Um, do you know what? It might be in that bracket with the Lego Movie, where it sounds like it's going to be absolutely horrific, and then there might be something from it. But then the fact that you've put Garfield and the Smurfs in that same bracket and the Chipmunks, yeah, it could be terrible. See, the thing is, I think uh, I think the. The Lego movie had talent making it, whereas this might not. 
I don't, I'm not sure who's actually making this film, um, but presumably people that lost a bet. I, and I, my wonder is who who they're making it for. Where's where's the market for this? Did they do a poll somewhere and get told, oh, what people really want is a Sonic movie? Well, like the Chipmunks movies made money, so did the Smurfs movies. Despite fact, the fact that they're dreadful, I've seen the first Smurfs movie and I thought it was really bad. And I've weirdly only seen the second Chipmunks movie, which is called, wait for it, the Squeakquel. So, hang on a minute. This podcast that lives for puns and can't get anywhere near enough of them is about to rise against the squeakquel. I'm sorry, no, you've just disproved your own existence there. You have to like that word. You just do. No, I don't. Yes, you do. No. It's now in the bylaws of, of Neil Before Blog. It just must because be. I, because I like some puns doesn't mean I like all puns. Not all puns are created equal. I don't feel that you've given evidence of that on past shows. <laughs> well, that's for the courts to decide. Yeah, well. I will be judged by a jury of my peers. So, yeah, this Sonic movie. I like Sonic. Uh, sometimes uh, I like the old games anyway you know the old Mega Drive era games and I just I really don't want to see this I don't want this to exist I think it's a really bad idea so that's why I'm rising against it okay on to the reason we're actually here uh, the finale of Legion season 2 the unexpected extra episode that we've had to compensate for which is chapter 19 although if the titles within the episode are to be believed it's chapters 10 and 12 which we'll get to soon Shall we just um, go into the spoiler haze immediately? Yep. If you, you want, want sure. Yeah, then we'll, we'll suck on that vapour crocodile thing and go into the spoiler haze. Okay, so what did we think of the finale of Legion? I know the last time we talked, which was only last week, we were kind of unanimous on the fact that the last two episodes weren't the best because it went off the boil a bit so Aaron we'll start with you what did you think of this episode so for the most part I really enjoyed this episode I think it was a return to form I think it was the ending that was perhaps already planned in that had to account for an extra episode being rammed before it, rather than this being the extra episode. There was there was one point that I swung backwards and forwards about for a while afterwards that I wasn't sure about, but, but I've sort of talked myself into it being in, the, in there for a reason, uh, which we can come on to, but but generally speaking, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this episode. I think it's up there with the other two that I've that I've gotten a lot out of this season. Cool, Chris. What did you think? I think it was a good finale to the season. I do think that the conclusion kind of threw away a lot of stuff that you presumed was being built upon through the season that actually turned out to be pointless um, but yeah I think I think a lot of it was, was good and it, it you know it's definitely something that's teased the next again season you know they've kind of hooked us again yeah I also liked it I thought it did some really cool stuff weirdly I thought it was one of the most coherent episodes they've ever done 
in terms of it actually having a plot that was really easy to follow throughout. There was no kind of, or there was a reduction in these kind of bizarre cutaways to different stuff. So it's weird. Every scene seemed to like feed into the next scene and, and feed from the previous scene. So it's, it's a very weird structural choice for Legion to follow a traditional structure, but it works. Um, it, I do agree it ignored some stuff that uh, came up earlier in the season. There's some stuff that's just kind of left, but I suppose that maybe the potential was always to play, leave that for season three. I don't know. But yeah, overall, I liked it. There was one part of it, which is probably the same part that Aaron was alluding to that I found pretty disturbing, uh, which we will come on to for sure. Um, but yeah, it was a good episode. Probably I might add on to that. the. I think this was the right time to do the the normal, for want of a better word, structure. Um, I don't think that was the biggest surprise to me, as maybe you're, uh, you're alluding to there, which is... It's just that this was the ending, and I think the ending always needs to be clearer to have a payoff. The mystery in the earlier episodes is is a is a good thing because you can question it, you can ask yourself what's going on. But when you get your ending, I I struggle to find a good reason to have a, a mystery at the end unless that's been the point that you were building up to all the way like you wanted the audience to go away with a with a, an ideology to question or a theory to to debate over which is which is not what they were doing here the theme was delusion and i don't think we wanted i don't think you could go away at the end of a of a a 10 part episode on delusion with a delusion in your head i think that would just be pointlessly artistic and whereas they have in, in the last two episodes, crossed the line for me into into pointlessly artistic. Here, I wanted it to come back. I wanted it to be real and meaningful. And, and they do actually take the delusion theme and, and then give that delusion to the main character and question it. Is David deluded? Is Sid deluded? Is their whole connection a delusion? So it felt like they'd, they'd actually properly ended the theme that they'd, they'd been running with. And... Uh, to me, the difficulty with going back to the 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 normal formula again, for want of a better way of describing it, in in episode four was it was out of place. It's like mystery, 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 normal stuff. Mystery, 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 mystery. T- to me, that the natural thing was to do that the 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 final truth at the end. Well, in fact, the episode says it's about the final truth, so actually, it does try and give you a truth in amongst its theme. So. I, I, I welcome that, actually. It was the right place, the right thing to do, the right time for it. Yeah, and it's interesting that you say about the delusion being given to the main character, but it's also been given to the audience as well, because we've spent the last two seasons thinking about this as a, a show about, you know, a hero kind of rising to being heroic, but it's actually been the origin story of a villain all along. So kind of any any heroic tendencies David has is a departure from where the show is heading and it's I find it interesting that this episode was about him resolving the fact that he is actually the villain so you had the um, the, the mind trip where he was talking to uh, two versions of himself you know one of which was kind of logical and the other one's completely egotistical and um, they're trying to kind of convince him they're both trying to convince him that he's not a good person whereas this middle guy is all about Oh, I don't yeah, think I'm that's true. 
Sorry, carry on, but make sure we come back to that, because I don't think that's true. I was done, so... Oh, sorry. Um, Well, I think the first thing I'd probably comment on that is I I don't think that it does undermine everything we've been thinking about. I think it's just season two had to pick a different direction to go in. It's the season two problem that that both, as I've said, Humans and Handmaid's Tale have not solved. And season two here, I think they have solved it. I, I don't think we should take this as the be-all and end-all final plot. It's, it is the character has awoken to a different possibility and may become a villain. There, there's nothing that said that, the, that season three is going to become a purely David is the villain and everybody else is the good guy. It, it could well be like we had... I mean, I'm struggling to find a contemporary reference, actually, so I'm going to have to go Buffy which is Willow was the villain for a point, but Xander defeated her by turning her back. And that that, that wasn't suddenly vi- uh, Willow becoming a, a villain where she never had before. It wasn't suddenly she's the bad guy in the same end of level uh, bad guy plot that they've had in it. It was that this character is, if, 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 you, if you will, have, have allowed the Batman reference, that's had one bad day too many, and that has had an effect, and it gives you your season cliffhanger. But I, I don't, I don't think he's, he's, I don't think he's definitely the villain forever. I think it is just a potentiality that he might go that way. Um, and then the second thing I'd, I'd probably challenge is the, the idea that they were both trying to both. Well, I originally thought that the other two Davids were going to be the angel and the devil. And then I suddenly thought, hang on a minute, that angel's being a bit devilish. Are they both supposed to be devils? But there's this one comment that the, that the if, if you want to use it, the more logical one that's not emotional, not so selfish, says, that I think points out that it is supposed to be an angel, but in a, in a sort of a twisted, horrible world sort of way. And it's the line where the, where the, the, the angel David says something like, I was trying to make him realize by putting him through this. And I think that makes a lot of sense from David's perspective that the authority on good in his life has never been a parent. It's not even necessarily been his big sister. It's possible that he would see that authority figure as the psychologist, the psychiatrist, trying to talk him out of his his madness when he was in the, the I forgot the name of the home clockworks. So the person who's trying to get him out of his th- thought process to try and make him think and bring him back round to reason, which is, which is again what you said, it's like a logical person, is, is someone who's trying to use psychological techniques to, to make him realize it himself. So, so I, I, I think that character still counts as the angel on his shoulder. And importantly, when we're in the, the, the finale and he breaks out and he really goes for it, that angel character is not there the one that he gives over to completely is the emotional devil. And it's that, even though he's yelling at him, it, it is still that way that David goes. He says, you had your chance. And he gives in to that character, almost absorbs that character as his only way of thinking. And so he gives over to the evil. But to me, that also proves the first point, that that angel character could should still be there in the background, that logical side that tries to persuade him that... He, he could actually do better if he could think clearly and do it right. That character's still there and hopefully will form a part of season three 
during which maybe in a Willow Zander-like situation, somebody tries to talk David down. Hilarious would it be if it ended up being somebody like Lenny. I think that would be amazing. Because <laughs> it, it would show, not only would it give me what I sort of want from that, it would also fit with the really twisted universe that it is. As Lenny turns around and goes, hang on a minute. Am I the voice of reason and goodness here? And she just totally can't handle it and flips out for a bit. I think that'd be great. I liked it. I liked the the presentation arguments between the two of them. I also am not sure if he truly is a villain or if it's still pay, playing with our perception and other people's perception of what's been going on. But... Um, yeah, if if this is David going full villainy, then yeah, you've you've sort of seen this transition from a uh, victim to hero and now to villain. So it's a really interesting path they've taken him on, and I like seeing the sort of internal dialogue of trying to justify arguing against himself uh, until he gets proven wrong. I wonder if uh, Dan Stevens gets the scripts for this show and he's like, ah, oh, there's four people in this scene and they're all me. <laughs> I mean that, that must be quite difficult as an actor but he, d- he does a good job you know and I think the the way they splice these things together makes it work really well but um the, the, I mean there was all sorts of interesting stuff in the in the headspace thing you had the um the repetition of the delusion is you know delusion egg thing you know it was but it was those first lines that John Ham said in the first episode and it was the repetition of that just to remind you of delusion starts out as something very small, very small, you know, and it just kept reminding you of that. And it was the idea that it had been something that had grown inside David all season uh, and he hasn't realised the, the sort of genesis of it or he's been ignorant to the genesis of it or he thinks that everyone else is delusional. And they bring that back in the sort of the cards towards the end of the episode where it's, you know, if... Um, if every apple in a barrel is bruised except one, then the, it's the one that's bruised that's the it, one that's not bruised that's the anomaly. See, I, there's there's part of that that I think is 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 even better than I originally thought it might be as well, which is that having that um, delusion comes from an egg. That's tiny starting point. They managed to bring that back to season one when they show the first appearance of Sid. Yeah. And that's that is so difficult to do if you're not writing everything up front is is bringing your current plot back to your old plot when you didn't know they had to be linked because it made so much sense that everything David was thinking about and believing was brought about by this one meeting and that was the start of his delusion the idea that he could be good that he did deserve love that there was a possibility for him outside clockworks that there was a life that he could be important he could mean something all comes from this one meeting and then they suddenly say and that's when you started deluding yourself right back at the start of season one and i thought i'd really like to believe that people can do that stuff on purpose but you know what? Even if they didn't, even if the writers, when they put down season two, said, this is totally going to work, I believe them. And I thought it did. I, that, 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 was a re- that was a really nice connection from events in season one into the total theme of season two. Yeah, and sometimes you can kind of get just lucky with that, you know, where 
the thing that you're doing just happens to connect up so so neatly with with something you did before but it did feel deliberate and and it felt like yeah everything we've been doing has been building to this particular moment um the the reason i'm the, the reason I feel that David might have just kind of turned the corner into villainy is because Legion is, you know, a bit of a villain in the comics, um, at least a lot of the time. So, you know, I'd, I'd be willing to believe that he's, David is fully committed to to that idea, you know, the fact that he is the most powerful person on Earth or, or whatever. Because um, you have the whole idea of he wanted to be a hero because he thought his mutant powers made him heroic and then suddenly he starts to go down the Farouk route of thinking that he's better than everyone else and that his powers mean that Mm. he's, you know, he's a superior being and he deserves to be treated with superiority. And then his escape is kind of evocative of that as well, you know, where he surrounds himself in this kind of angelic white light. It's it's very ostentatious. Um, So I get get the impression that, that he's completely bought into, certainly that he thinks he's better than everyone around him. Well, I think that the most important thing they'll be doing in the early half of season three is convincing the audience that that is at least possible. And I won't say that taking him down the villain route for a whole season couldn't be interesting. It, I think it's tricky, because if you're not even going to make him an anti-hero, then you could just turn off your audience completely. But but if they, they've built a trust in me that says that if they said, we want to try this, I would watch. But... I think it more likely they'll go down a more traditional route where he he needs saved and he's, he's he has a possibility of redemption. But with that, it'll be much more interesting to watch, much more satisfying an ending if in the first half of season three, you as an audience believe he could go either way, which is which is kind of difficult because you know if you've given somebody the badge of good guy and they're having a bad day part of you just kind of knows by the rules of storytelling that they're going to come good in the end. Yeah. And and giving the audience that doubt must be really difficult. But with this starting point, especially because of that one choice they made with Sid, which I, I would say I was on the fence about for a while, I think in the end I resolved that in my head by saying, no, we need to believe that he could totally lose it and and that's from our perspective his final straw so 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 far at the end of season two i believe that he he is in a place humanly where he could go either way but i'm still on the money for but that will only last until the end of season three where some finale will have him his equivalent zander coming up and and turning him I would like, um, I'm the same as you, I would like to see season three commit to David being a, a villain, try and keep that hint of maybe winning him back, but I would like them to commit to it. We've seen this slow build-up in him, definitely from the the previous episode, uh, where he started basically throwing thoughts into people's heads, manipulating people into position. Now, you could argue... That was part of his plan. No one was to know where Farouk's body was apart from him, and that's why he implanted the memories rather than telling everyone the whole plan. And his plan, to an extent, worked. You get that? But then this then takes a step further when he starts erasing people's memories and obviously the choices that he then makes when they get back to headquarters as well. Is you know They've sort of started showing him 
doing these things where you're like, okay, he's a hero and we're assuming he's doing it for good purposes, but now you're sitting there thinking, well, what else can he do if he's able to just whisper in people's ears plans and get them yeah. to move about? It was the, the decision to erase Sid's memory that um, started the kind of disturbing uh, part of it for me. I mean, the, the decision he makes is a kind of very emotional, emotional human decision because basically what he's done is he's faced or what has happened is is that he's faced with his with his girlfriend who now hates him because she thinks he's a terrible person and she's you know prepared to kill him she does fire the bullet so you know she does deliver the killing shot it's just Lenny stops it with another bullet which was you know that, that's a damn good shot but, um, but you know, it's Legion. Whatever. No, she did it. It was a mistake. Afterwards, she says, "Oops." Yeah. I think that was a total. I think it was a total weird choice. But anyway, it's not the it's thing a, we're talking about. So. It's a bad shot, man. Yeah, but it's a really like, it's a really impressive bad shot. If you're going to miss, then wow, that's that's how you miss. But anyway, um, so David had to listen to this kind of tirade about this is why you're terrible. This is why I hate you. This is why you're worse than that guy that you've just beaten to a pulp over there. Uh, and he kind of it kind of makes him snap a bit, and then as soon as they get back to HQ, or before, well, as soon as before they get back to HQ, actually, he erases her memory so that she's back to the, you know, the the, the puppy dog in love type uh, characterization, and that's just, I mean, that, that I find that just really unsettling, and the episode does treat it like a violation as well, which is right, but yes, the problem with it is. I don't see how David's redeemable after doing something like that. Well, well, here's, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, the, our whole justice system is built supposedly on the idea that after you come out of prison, you don't do it again. And our culture and religion also works on the idea of of redemption, of of, of trying to put these things behind you and becoming better. So... I think that there is, within at least the Western culture that this series is built upon, a redemption story that David should be able to follow. With, with there's, there's plenty throughout history of people who have, who have been, even Christian soldiers going to war in the Holy Land, coming back and, and trying to wash away their sins and when you hear some of the stories of things that the crusaders did in, in the holy land it, it, you know it's truly horrible it, it's down to the the really disturbing ways that even children were murdered and and then when people suddenly turn around and realize what they've done they demanded of themselves something better and and i think we as a society look at that and go we might never be able to forget what you did but we appreciate it that you are doing these good things now because you damn well should. You have to. There is no other choice for you. And get on with it right now. So so David will never, ever necessarily move to a point where he is completely forgiven. And I personally think it's something that should never, ever personally be forgotten. But I don't see it as totally irredeemable, like... If you took if you took something now where someone had murdered six people and then went to jail and then came out, you, you know, there's would you be able to look at that person and say you'd served your time, you deserve another chance? 
Because if not, then maybe you're talking about getting rid of them forever and maybe even just killing them because well, what, what, if you're not going to give them that second chance, then what else is there for them? They have no life. So we have a situation where David has done something horrible. He has um, emotionally abused his supposed lover in a horrible way that actually steps into the physical as well because she can't remember, obviously, so he's taking advantage. Yeah. But are we going to now say that somebody who does that cannot ever move past it if they serve their time according to our laws or, or any, other, any other set of punishment or rules or scenarios that you, have, you say you have to go through? I think, I think our society demands that there, re, there be another side, there be a way of coming out the other side because we haven't gone down the route of you are irredeemably gone, therefore we might as well kill you or put you in a dungeon, knowing that that will turn you into a monster down in our dungeon, and, and we will do the, the minimum of just throwing food at you. So, so I totally appreciate that he has done something horrific, and I think that was important in terms of showing us how far gone he has. That was the problem I had with it. Did we need to see this? Was it actually necessary advancement on on taking advantage of his friends by implanting things in their head and controlling him. And I think it does suggest that he has gone to another level. And your revulsion, your, 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 your correct revulsion of that says that there was a, a deeper level of, of revulsion to go with David here, that we wanted to see him as that, well, the plot wanted him to be seen as that evil. But, but yeah, whether that's completely irredeemable, um, I I don't think don't think that's true. I, I think there is a way back. I just don't think that it it could ever be an easy one. Messing with Sid is definitely crossing the line. Like putting memories in I don't know Carrie or Kerry's head is one thing. You know, like to to get to a certain thing, but uh, get to get him to a certain point. You know, and achieve a certain objective. That that's one thing. It's still terrible. That is one thing. But the kind of his relationship with Sid was almost this tether to normal for a while, which, you know, in this show is completely relative, but um, it was that kind of thing, tethering him to humanity, keeping him motivated, um, all that kind of stuff. So the fact that he actively messes with that is kind of, it crosses this this massive line. And I think the, the idea is, yeah, okay, what, what he did in the last episode, that's kind of compartmentalised as something that was terrible, but uh, you could maybe justify it to some degree, and now he's completely gone off the reservation and I find I find it interesting that even Farouk was disgusted with it you know he was just you can't make people love you and I saw what you did and it's like um, almost Farouk saying yeah that's too far is just it, it gives you that kind of clear message of this guy has done unspeakable things over the years well, maybe even um, he wouldn't go there I think I think the thing about that is that I would disagree with that in terms of the latter part only, of course, which is that even Farouk wouldn't go there. I honestly believe that was part of Farouk's lie because I refuse to believe that Farouk wouldn't go there. I refuse to believe that somebody who's been labelled as that evil over time and is quite happy to refer to humans as the, the necessary germs and tools he needs to, to make the world as he wants it hasn't done such horrible things. What it does serve in that episode is providing a righteous base for his manipulation of 
of David's former friends because if he displays that in front of those friends, it matches with his with Farouk's ability to manipulate people by showing them what they want to see, by giving them the truth that's based so the lie that's based on the truth. So, in another breath, I'd quite happily see Farouk turning around and just pointing out to David, "Look what they did to you." Here's how I'm going to manipulate you now, based on what I've just done while manipulating them. So I don't think somebody who is a such a brilliant and perfect liar and strategist as Farouk should ever be taken at his word there. But what it does do, where I think your point still is valid, is that he manipulates the others into that position where they can then so easily cast David aside and see everything that first of all is there, but everything that's 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 not quite there either, because even though David is in this place, arguably he's been put there through the problems of time travel. It is a self fulfilling prophecy of this. I think we can I think we can take that as read because Melanie said that it was. Why does David turn? Well because Sid betrays him. Now, Sid betrays him because she's been manipulated by Farouk in the first place. And the thing is, it's, it's, it's Farouk's perfect lie built on the truth. The reason he can so easily persuade everybody how horrible David is is because, well, David has done horrible things. But the tragedy of that is he's not as evil as Farouk. He only becomes as, as evil as Farouk when, first of all, uh, the thing, his tether, as you so rightly say, suddenly snaps in front of him as Sid abandons him and then Farouk finishes him off and turns everybody against him. So arguably both Sid unmeaning, unwittingly through the, 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 the terrible rules of time travel and Farouk, because he's just an evil person, obviously, create the monster. And that doubt, I think, is important, especially when you come into season three, because that doubt in would David have gone this way if his tether to reality hadn't snapped. And if he I, wouldn't I, have gone this way, then he might have be able to come back. There's the doubt that you need. Yeah, see, I've, I've always wondered about the, the time travel element in this. I mean, not to mention the fact that at the very beginning of this season, or the way season one ended, was David going into an orb and being whipped into the future and then coming back a year later. Yeah. So I, at the moment, my thing is, what was future plan? Uh, future Sid's plan to stop the apocalypse? It was to capture David, keep him for a year, send him back out of sequence, yes, convince him to find Farouk's body, so that Farouk would then take out David. Is that have I, have I well, got that plan right? Because I'm struggling at the moment to work out how any of that helped. <laughs> I can honestly say that what you've said makes more sense than anything I currently constructed. Because yeah, when I when I try and look at the the, the logical development of future Sid's motives, and you, yeah, you get that tiny reveal, don't you? That the orb was something that they could prove by probability that Carrie would create in the future. It's a throwaway line that just links it all back together and then you suddenly go, oh God, that's probably really important but there's too much else going on so I can't pay attention to it. And yeah, yeah if I think if I tried to, I'd 
I wouldn't have got anything anywhere near as clear as you just did. Even if you don't think it's clear, it was <laughs> it was it does, probably clearer than I was going to get. It does seem like a very convoluted and bizarre plan that's almost destined to fail. But it's like the keeping secrets from David and the keeping him away for a year thing just seems to leave it open for exactly what this this has been about the whole time, which is delusion in there. Like, holding, you know, mistruths and secrets behind is what allowed a lot of the manipulation to happen to David himself. I guess if you assume everyone's deluded in some way, then it sort of mm. makes sense. If everyone's making decisions based on how they understand the situation, but they all don't understand yes. the situation, then you can kind of... It's one of those, this makes sense if you squint sort of ideas. You know, so <laughs> Future said thinks this plan will work because she's completely delusional about the fact that this plan will work and that it's a good idea. Um, the, you know, the reality of the situation is far different. She doesn't see the whole reality of the situation. She probably doesn't understand everything else that David was dealing with at that point because she wasn't around for all of it. You know, you'll have noticed that his interactions with past Sid or present Sid were quite minimal this season. You know, should we go almost entire episodes without seeing each other? So I get the impression that maybe she's operating on unreliable memories because she wasn't there for a lot of the stuff that, you know, she understands. So she'll have made assumptions about what turned him evil and all that kind of stuff. But um, so she's just doing the best with the knowledge she has. And it turns out the plan is kind of stupid as a result. But, but then a chunk of the knowledge that she's got is what was given to her by Farouk. Yeah, which is completely unreliable in of itself. Mm. I think you've hit the, the nail on the head perfectly there with the description of what this season's theme was, what it was all about, which is everybody's deluded. Because in my mind, they really hammer that home in, in this final episode by pointing out everybody does something wrong and everybody is also right. It's this perfect human problem that nobody has all the answers but when everybody gets half the answers, they get emotionally involved. And to quote Star Trek, they fill in the rest of the pieces of the puzzle with their personality. And I think that's, that's so human and so important, the fact that... that and they've, in, they've investigated this throughout the whole thing. Nobody is right when it comes to the end. And the horror that that creates can destroy people's worlds. In this case, obviously, there's the threat that it's literally, but generally speaking, we're talking emotionally, figuratively. And it, it, it's slightly horrible to watch, in fact, because because you, could, you at one point, I did want to scream at Sid. I, I mean, I don't... You, you know, it's programs that get you to really want to yell at the telly are the best programs. But it's like, <laughs> no, you're, you're close to being right, but this bit is wrong. Just turn your argument slightly and you can, and you can save it. But of course, that wouldn't have been the point she is mistaken she is a bit deluded somehow she's even been convinced at the end by Farouk that she is the hero and you're thinking no you're not you're about to murder someone who's not actually destroyed the world yet but that's your reason for murdering him and it's of course that's contrary to our entire legal system our our justice system it's it's unfair to try try people for things they haven't done you can only try for what they have done and and yet you, you're totally with her from the perspective that, of course, in the end, when, when she has been, she's mind-wiped and, and, and David has just decided what he's going to do with her, of course, you think, well, oh my God, but then all this other stuff, of course, puts you in the, the right. And I can see why you're that way. It's, 
it's brutally horrible in a way that's really human and it it's something that I think only Legion has been able to to push the boundary on when it comes to things like our science fiction, our super shows. You know, you know, some of these shows do something meaningful, but they don't really make you think. They might make you feel, but they don't really, I think, push you so far into into the bait, the debates we have around Legion. So horrible as it was, I think it, it's it, it's done something really good with it. It's interesting how the last two things that happen in the show are, are completely delusional in their own way. So you've got it Carrie saying, don't worry, the force field will hold. And then it immediately fails. And then <laughs> when um, David says to Lenny, uh, there's no Blondie or Blondie's not around anymore, something to those effects. Yeah, basically saying, yeah, I don't give a crap about Sid anymore, bye. And it's kind of, yeah, he's bound to be delusional about that because he won't be able to cast her aside so easily yeah. considering he was considering she was basically his reason for turning evil in the first place. So it's like that, it's that stroppy child of like, nope, not my friend anymore, I don't like you anymore yes. because you've wronged me slightly. And then, you know, yeah. give him a couple of days and he'll be like, oh, I probably overreacted a bit there. You know, the, um, so I think that he's not as done with Sid as, as he thinks he is, but um, she's probably, she probably is as done with him as she thinks she is. Or she should be anyway. Well, based on what's happened, yeah, I don't yeah. think, I don't think she can go back into the connection, ever. No, but he'll he'll always be the guy that essentially raped her. Yes, um, I, I feel like a different description. It, yeah, uh, do you know it's a, it's a, it's it's funny with the choice of words. I think I would only argue against the, the word rape semantically. It, if somebody wanted to go into a court of law with what David did, I think another word would be better. Or another f- description would be better, but it, it kind of doesn't seem important to push that point any further because it's just as horrible as as as, as the rape is. So so I'll stop there based on that. Can I just say how much I liked the opening fight after last week we oh, talked yeah. on the podcast about how we didn't want the fight to be a sort of superhero over the top slugging it out kind of fight. And I liked the visuals, the sort of uh, music. I, I, I've written it down in my notes as a music video, <laughs> cold open <laughs> kind of thing, because that's what it looked like to me. Is like it's like something that some little rock band would do as a, a little yeah. indie video kind of thing. Um, and then the stylings of it is a cartoon fight. I thought this was going to be a, a fight that was going to last the whole episode, and it would only be the conclusion kind of thing. Legion doing its best again to sort of surprise and do something a bit different. It was sort yeah. of a cartoon fight, and it was resolved quite quickly. Yeah, it was beautiful. It, it did what they what uh, they promised they would do. They said they were going to redefine superhero battles, and they, they totally have. And I, deep in my soul, wanted to see another superhero fight as a dance number, but they've already done that, so they had to yeah. move on. And they moved on to, you say... Uh, music video i got a total aha vibe i think you know is it take on me that was that was brilliant but the, not only did it succeed in being something difficult uh, different i thought it had another advantage too which was we've seen them do this already in one of the early episodes when farouk is sort of teaching david a lesson and they're in the astral plane having the same fight where they turn into different things yeah it it probably would have been boring if they just repeated that and yet 
that is how these guys are going to fight. So they sort of did need to repeat it. So what they did was make it a cartoon, recapturing what they'd done before. But by having it as a cartoon, they could also speed it up. It occurred to me whilst I was watching it that all these changes were happening at the speed of thought. It was much faster than the original, and that seems so appropriate that you have an idea, I have an idea, you have an idea, and we keep going back and forward and forward until one of them gets stuck, but then he has another idea and he gets out again. So I, I thought that, that was genius on both levels to, to, to see that, and, and as I say, fulfilled that promise that they were going to ways make their superhero fights something different. I don't know where they're going to go in season three. What's left? <laughs> Yeah, um, I love the way it was kind of escalated. So it's one of those things where uh, Farouk would deploy something, and then David would have to think of what could beat that, and then the animated equivalent comes out, and and you get that kind of I have to beat this now and beat this and beat this. So it's like I'm being captured by, um, I'm being bitten into by a spider. So how do I combat this? And it's um, it was re- so it was kind of logical in that sense, and the you know. The, that's maybe how a mind battle would play out because you're just trying to outthink them and the representation of things that are really easy to uh, see why it's, it's almost like rock, paper, scissors. And it's, you know, here's the thing that easily defeats this other thing and you just keep going to that until the other person can't think of what to deploy next. And then you get to um, them beating each other with fists and David's about to crack him over the head with a rock. That was almost disappointing for me, actually. I've taken a note. At the, at the time I saw it, I took a note to say, please don't let this become a a physical fight. You know, remove... It's like, how do you fight Superman? You remove his powers. You know, how do you fight the Flash? You get rid of his, his, his super speed for a bit. It's so boring and so unimaginative just to, 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 to follow that plot line. And invariably all super shows do it at some point because it's almost like a freebie and I hate it every time. So when they did that, I thought, no, how don't, don't just start doing karate, you know, or, or boxing or something, but it's actually over really quickly. They, they go into one physical fight and they show him beating on Farouk for a little bit, but it's such a tiny part of the episode. It's placed where it needs to be unimportant. It's just what they would do but they don't make a big deal of it and they go straight on to the rest of the plot. So I made that note, but then immediately crossed it out because I thought, it, you know, it's fine. You didn't fall into that mistake. You, you did something with it. And, and, that, and that's fine. I'm, I, was, I was totally on board with that. It was also a little bit more visceral as well because it is actually physical harm, you know, for the yeah. body now, so he can Aye. actually be hurt. Um, and it, it's partially to show how far gone David is at that point as well because he looks like an absolute maniac when he's wailing yeah. on him. You know, no. and that's obviously intentional. That's something you don't get in the kind of controlled mind palace type battle situation. Um, it's it's almost like it has to come down to the who's the stronger one and who's the physically stronger one because mentally they're clearly equally matched. Maybe in terms of raw power, but then I, I mean I completely agree with you. I couldn't couldn't deny couldn't couldn't deny any part of that. Seeing the seeing the blood and the pain is is hits it home in a way that the sanitized mental battle is is, is never going to be able to follow because we can't ourselves see and appreciate the mental damage being done, or 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 maybe we sort of can but only by having it spelled out later. So in that moment, I think you're right. We needed to see to see that 
I mean, use the right word, a visceral display. But then later on, I think you do see the mental damage because that's when when David is disturbed. He has been knocked off his rocker. That that's your that's your emotional damage, you know. Um, and Farouk, I think, is still more powerful than David in the mental realm because no matter what is done to him, he's still able to manipulate everyone around him. He's still able to put David, and nobody puts David in a corner, except Farouk. He definitely does. And and that shows where Farouk's real power is. Maybe it's a power of experience, actually, but but that definitely counts when it comes to a mental battle. But, you, but yeah, to come back to your physical, it, it did have a point, but I'm just glad it didn't go on longer than it needed to. No, no, they made their point and then they moved on, and that's what I liked about it. Uh, it's interesting with the, uh, with Farouk when he has the kind of when he has that mental blocker on his head, and he's you know attached to the walls using wires. Um, mm. So he's lost his powers at that point, but he still understands people. And yes, that's, that's the interesting Absolutely. part. So mm. yeah, he doesn't need his powers to manipulate people because he just he's been around people so long that he just knows. And yeah. that kind of brings in the whole, you can't make people love you and you're delusional for thinking so. And it's like, why? Have you tried? And he was like, yeah, I tried it with you. Uh, that kind of the bringing it back to the, I've been with you since birth sort of yes. idea. And, and that's what's, do you know what's so great about that, though? That doesn't even have to be true. It sounds so good in the moment. It sounds so believable, so realistic. I think there's a serious argument to be made that he never tried to make David love him. You know, he was always showing him horrible visions, making him do things, getting him to consider killing animals. And you know, it's it, it's it's the argument that an abuser would make to to a young boy. I did this for your benefit to toughen. You yeah. know, it's horrible when he says it. But the thing of it is, because it's said in an emotional way rather actually a low emotion he says it so calmly like i i truly love you i tried to do this for you in in the resonation of the words it's like you you sort of almost believe that that could have been possible it's like making you think hang on a minute did i did i just misread everything that's going on i need to go back and think about it but of course in an emotional moment we can do that because we're the audience sitting outside but david would possibly without the ability to rationalize it just absorb it and take it straight face value. But of course, from Farouk's perspective, it's just one of his even better lies that serves to put another stake in, a, in between a relationship. And it's a perfect, it's another perfect manipulation. Well, it's a lie that uses enough of the truth to make it believable, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah, the definitely. Lies. There's also a bit of codependence to that, that scene, isn't there? Like the whole, you'd be useless, you'd be nothing without me. I'd be nothing without you, sort of idea. Um, it's quite common. It's you know, it's Batman and the Joker, isn't it? Yeah. You know, you're nothing without. I mean, it's quite. It's it's a standard hero villain connection. Well, in this case, you don't know who the hero is and who the villain is, or uh, or if there is such a simple labeling. And maybe that's part of the delusion. There is no hero or villain in this story. It's just people doing things. It's exactly that sort of delusion that they've been hinting about the whole time. So David's sitting there going, but it wasn't me that did a lot of these bad things. It was Farouk um, making me do these things. And then it's other people's argument that, no, but you enjoyed it at the time. And look, at this is your true face and all this sort of stuff. So it's, yeah, it's very, very interesting what they've done with. Yeah. So going back to the rock thing, um, beating, beating the, the Shadow King with a rock, 
Uh, am I remembering incorrectly, or was there a mention from some future person about that being a, like that being yeah. something that happens in yeah. an earlier episode? Future Sid uh, declares in one of the early meetings with David, and David says, "Oh, that thing you're talking about that's destroyed all of our future is that Farouk?" and and Sid so blasely adds. No, 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 it's not him. You beat his head in with a rock in the desert years ago. And it's like, oh, all right. That was a bit harsh that you just delivered it that way. But yeah, it was totally a thing. So this would be the timeline changing then? I think so. Yeah, because he doesn't do that. He doesn't kill Farouk. Yes, absolutely. And it's because of Sid, I guess. Yeah, Uh, yeah. yeah. It's it's one of those things where there's, it's with time travel, yeah, I think you've got to make that decision. I don't know if we talked about it on the time travel podcast, mm-hmm. but you, you've got to decide whether the future can or cannot be changed. It's one of those important consistency decisions that you make at the start. Yeah. And I think they've, they've committed fully to future Sid maybe kick something off and, and it looks like she creates her own future, but then they quite clearly, as you say, then change it. So it gives... I think it's also what gives us this hope for season three that David isn't going to become, well, doesn't have Mm. to become the final bad guy because the future can be changed. We're seeing clearly him being truly evil and so we believe that that future can still be created but we know now that the future can be changed therefore it gives us hope that David can come back. Um, Yeah. Yeah. The real question to be taken from that is, have we actually recorded the Time Travel podcast yet, or have we yet to do that? That's too difficult a question to answer at this time. I'll have to come back to you on that. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like every time the Time Travel podcast comes out, we need to be vague about when it happened. I think it has been published. I don't think we can deny that, but I do not believe it has been recorded yet. Indeed. I think I'll go with that. <laughs> yeah. Um Back to the, the changing timeline. Presumably, this in the previous timeline, David was allowed to essentially destroy the world because he was unchallenged. Nobody could challenge him. But since Farouk's still about, he does have someone who can challenge him. And maybe that is, again, what kind of saves the world in a way. And, you know, they've alluded to that last week with um, maybe I'm the hero. You know, what if he's the villain and I'm the hero sort of chat? Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely a potential, though you've still got Farouk about. You know, he's not been all good intentions wanting to be a hero from the start. No. This is this is a very recent uh, mindset change on his part. So maybe he doesn't want to destroy the world, you know. There's... No, but does David want to destroy the world? Is that what he's setting out to? It's, you know, he's, setting, he's setting out down the path at the moment, but yeah. Maybe he'll get to that point where he decides, you know what, no one else is important, I'm going to wipe them all out. It's um, almost like in Buffy, where uh, when Angel's evil, and he decides, I want to see the whole world sucked into hell, and then Spike betrays him because he's like, I don't want to see the whole world sucked into hell, I quite like it here. There's people hmm. to eat and you know, all that stuff. And it's the, the idea, that, I, know, I quite like it when villains are like, yeah, that, it is not in my best interest to destroy the world because I live here too. But you could have David sort of destroying all of humanity because he just feels like it and then ascending to the astral plane and living out his days there because he can create anything he wants in there, I guess. Could be. Yeah. So next season then, I think next season will be blurring that line between good guy and bad guy. And I think the 
maybe the Farouk and David thing will will go back and forth. You know, the um, Division 3 mob will possibly try to use Farouk uh, to their advantage because he's all they've got. You know, he's the only opposition to David that makes sense. Unless Patrick Stewart's going to turn up and, you know, get his son in line. Or would it be James McAvoy at this point? I'm I'm sure I'm confused. (laughs) Um, well, no, they were both bald, but I think it was Patrick Stewart. So a bald guy then? A bald guy, yeah, but Patrick Stewart. But that's not a resource the show has, and it would feel weird to pluck it out of the ether now. So I think they will go with the... I mean, they've already done the Blurred Alliances thing because all the characters are working for Division 3 now. So if they want to stop David, then, you know, enemy of my enemy type situation... Uh, Farouk is the best hope they have they just have to hope that they can trust them to at least do, stop David before he goes on a rampage himself. Yeah I think this, I think season 3 has to be what I said earlier which is David is either good or evil and we don't know which and there has to be hopefully it's well written enough so that it's a debate all the way through and then Hopefully, because I think it would be too difficult to watch a villain, they they have him not necessarily redeemed, because I think we've agreed that redemption, total redemption isn't possible, but at least he tr- turns back onto the right path. Whether he then defeats Farouk at the end of season three, or whether that's just a means to him being given... a means to him finding the path to redemption or not... Uh, is a choice. I I think they're moving slowly enough, but in a in a well-paced manner that they could just have Farouk in season three, and have them him maybe helping the good guys, maybe having his own plan. But I don't think he needs to be defeated. I think the end of season three could the conflict in that could just be will David come back or not, yeah. and then and then hopefully mm. he he does of course. But but they have to keep it open, and we have to doubt it. But that's what I—I I think that's what I'd want. How many shows can we say have had kept the same villain for three seasons? Mm. It's still not, been good. Yeah, yeah, very few. Yeah, it's very no. strange. Definitely be good. I mean, I know one of the things that I'm not wanting to happen at the beginning of the next season is a time jump. I really want them to pick up where this season has left off. I don't want a one year later, two year down the line, uh, time jump. That might be strange. Well, it depends what they do with it. I mean, if it's just a year where nothing happened, um, or they want to... Well, we saw we saw what they did at the beginning of this, where they basically went a year and went, OK, um, they've allied themselves with uh, Division 3 now. Uh, their boss is a guy with a wicker basket on his head <laughs> and uh, CCTV vision for eyes. Um, he has robots. Um, deal with it. <laughs> I'd, I'd rather not have another jump and going, okay, it's now two guys with buckets on their head and, <laughs> you know, I, well, I, don't, I don't know. I think they're going to... Well, it depends who comes back for season three, I suppose, in terms of actors, but they can't necessarily move it too far on and keep Ptolemy in because they've totally screwed him. Um, not, I'm still not happy with what that what that character... Well, not did get to do, but didn't get to do. He, hmm. So part of me thinks if he's staying in it, they'll have to keep it at least in Division 3. Even if they jump the time forward, they're going to have to keep them still in their current team format 
You know, they couldn't just break them apart. I don't know, actually, they could do anything. They could break them apart again, but Ptolemy is a, an inside man, inside division. So, yeah, they could do anything. I yeah. I agree with you, though. I I struggled with that at the start of Season 2. It was like, and we joined Division 3, and everything is amazing now. Please don't ask us any more about this. I was like, well, yes, please no, ask I no questions. <laughs> yeah. well, everything that was introduced as a result of the time jump came with the question, but why? And yeah. they never answered the... No. Yeah, there's so. there's several but whys and things that are just not really explained. It's like we put it in because it's weird, and that's why. Uh, you know, move along. You know, we'll we'll have a montage of explaining why <laughs> Division Three is called Division Three, and then we'll just move on. Uh, Do you know, have you heard John Hamm talking about delusion works? <laughs> <laughs> the the funny thing is, I did forgive it in in the end because. I think it solved a season two problem, which is how do you actually build upon what you've done in season one without giving into the expansion effect and problem? So the way I'd said I'd like to see these season these shows do it is to commit to what they are a bit more, which is which is with Legion being a bit weirder, but that might have been kind of difficult in Summerhall. Maybe they just couldn't think of a way to write it, keeping it where it was. So they just said, right, I've got an idea, guys, to crank the weirdness up so people are still going to be able to watch this. But go with me. It involves this thing here with Division 3. And everybody went, you what? But then nobody could think of anything better. So mm. it was. It, I, I didn't like it, but I got past it because the show the rest of the show where they got to said, no, watch me, I'm good, and I totally believed that. So I was able to put it behind, but when we bring it up again now, I, I remember that sore point, and, and I, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want another, I don't, mm-hmm. don't want to feel sore every time we start a new season. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just think that there was a lot that was kind of wasted out there, like Tommy and stuff was just lost in the season. Melanie, for a large part of the season, was gone. All of the um, season, I would say. All of yeah. the season, pretty much, apart from like an episode at the end to sort of redeem it, but didn't quite explain why she was missing. Even, well, even Kerry, then, I think she was done wrong, but kept sorry. Yeah, no. even Kerry, Kerry thing was it, there was bits that were picked up with them and then just completely lost. Right. Um, you know and. I, just a bit of weirdness without reasoning and not really this this episode this final episode dispensed with a lot of the nonsense that we've went what yeah. what the hell's that there for you know there were no bright pink bath plugs submarine trucks or oh, thank god you know there was there was a lot of that all that was gone from this episode and i think that was one of the things that made me quite like it as a closer yeah. It's like we have been exposed to so much ridiculousness for the rest of the season that just having it with, oh, it's a little bit stable now, that's fine, okay, <laughs> I can deal right. with this. Like Craig said at the beginning, it was one of the most easy to follow this is an episode of yeah. uh, things that wasn't too jumpy. I mean, granted, the explanation for that, I suppose, would be, well, Farouk had no powers for a portion of the episode, so he wasn't sort of manipulating mi- visions and causing weirdness around them, you know? Well, I think this whole season has has definitely danced on the edge of the modern art is goodish neutral zone, and from my perspective, it's 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 danced well for the first eight episodes, and then it just went ha ha and streaked clear across it for episodes nine and ten. But then by 
by giving us this normal normal sort of structured episode 11 it quite kindly decently put its clothes back on and said right let's talk and and we've we've definitely benefited from that but the better benefit might be season three no longer has to to do anything like this so to come back to my season two problem how do you pick it up after what you've done and create something new well, it seems like season three is easier than season two because you've kind of suffered that problem. You've established what you're doing. So I'd be prepared to believe season three can actually move more into the normal. And it, it wouldn't feel wrong because you, you've done the weirdness that you had to do. You've settled down into a more normal-ish episode 11 of, at the end of season two. And you, you could actually pick up from there, and it wouldn't seem like a jar. It would, it, it might actually seem quite natural to flow into more uh, normally paced, normally structured plots than season three. I, it might be a shame to lose the weirdness. I wouldn't want to lose it completely, but but I think it's possible that you won't feel like you're having to suffer like you maybe felt like you were doing in in season two with the craziness. The writers have a bit of an issue with season three in the sense that they barely got it. So the fact that it got renewed is a surprise. The ratings were not consistently good throughout the season, so Legion was losing viewers throughout season two. Um, what the writers now need to do is they need to drill down in and figure out why they were losing viewers in season two and then yeah. stop doing it. So they, what they have to do is bring the show back to the this kind of off-the-wall, bizarre thing that, that people enjoyed I guess in season one and I'm not talking about the way they did it in the flash where it's like we'll just throw in some off kilter humour because people liked the lighter tone you had in season one you know because what happened there was as we discussed in great detail during the flash podcast is uh, that the writers didn't understand why people responded so well to season one Uh, what Noah Hawley and his team have to do is they have to figure out what it is about this show that people like and then do more of it or Alternatively, they have to make a change that is convincingly better. And maybe it is that going to a more traditional structure, showing an episode of television that makes sense. Um, You know, from the... I mean, I hasten to use the word layman, but from the layman perspective, if someone just watching an episode of television will be able to watch it and think, I understood what happened in that episode. And you might have a bit of these kind of weird non-sequiturs of John Hamm essays or, or whatever else, but... Maybe they will do the kind of standard three or I think on television it's a five act structure, you know, where um where plot point one leads into plot point two and so on. I don't know, but I think they I think there needs to be a shift in what they do next season because if they want to win viewers back they can't keep doing what they're doing now. No, but do you know what I I do want to make sure they keep at least from season one is is the reason we've been able to actually have a series of podcasts on one show that might be really difficult with something more traditional like The Flash and The Arrow is because there is that mystery. There is something to talk about. There is that, well, I think it means this. Oh, but it could mean that. And that's the one of the key enjoyable features of Legion, which was probably easier for us to digest in season one as it wasn't quite so wacky it was just wacky enough so I'd hate to think that season three wouldn't have that but maybe if it did 
if it did tone it back slightly to, to the same as season one, then then it wouldn't just be us enjoying talking about the episodes. People could actually turn on and just enjoy the the watch as well. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's all sorts of things they could do, but. Um, Season one was definitely more accessible, except from the fact that it never felt that accessible until we three or or two of us or however many made it onto the podcast that week uh, had a chat about it and realised that we kind of understood or think we understood more about it mm-hmm. than we did. Whereas I think this season there's been less of that, less of the, yeah, I could see what they were getting at here. I mean, it's a lot more rampant speculation, but um, I don't think they'll ever lose the, the bizarreness of the show because it's one of the, the selling points. Yeah. You know, it's the you should watch this show. It's mental. You know, I think that's um, I think that's how people will advertise it to their friends. <laughs> you should watch this show because it's crazy. You just never know what's going to come up next. You never know yeah. what bizarre image they're going to throw in your face, and like that is part of the appeal because you watch an episode thinking, I don't know. They, basically, the the point of a scene could be something really simple, like we need to get across that David is upset with this guy for some reason. And they do that through an upside down room, or you know, or chattering teeth, or whatever. You know, they they just they find some really bizarre way of hiding the fact that it's actually quite a simple point they're trying to make in a given scene. And I think that's that's something they should never lose. If they just go into a kind of, I'll use the Gifted as an example because it is a show based in the the Fox X Men universe, whatever that will become. Um, the Gifted is much more of your traditional, easy-to-follow storytelling show. Uh, and I don't think Legion will ever turn that way. Because I'd hope not. Yeah, because it isn't that, and it's never been set up as that. And no. you know, Unless the network say, you have to be this now. In which case, people will watch it and think, it's crap now, and yes. then it'll get cancelled. Aye. Yeah. In terms of what they've dropped... So lingering threads that they dropped in this episode completely. So the the Carrie Kerry thing we've already talked about how that just, you know the the fact that Kerry was the driving body now, they've done nothing with that when they should have Lenny and Amy, they've dropped that 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 didn't come up. Although I feel like David might get to interact with Amy now that he's with Lenny. I think that's a that's a season three thing now, isn't it? I don't yeah. think there was room for it in this particular episode, but um, yeah, I think that's definitely going to be in season. But you could three. have just had the image of Amy like lingering in the background while mm. they they vanished or something like that. Well, I thought Amy might have been there when she was trying to decide what shot to take. You know, you got Lenny there trying to decide. Oh, do I do I shoot David? Do I shoot Farouk? Do I shoot Sid? Do I shoot the? Um, the weird tuning fork thing, <laughs> you know, and that's when I thought you might get sort of Amy in the background influencing her her decision. Yeah, so there were places that Amy could turn up and didn't, but it would be a wasted opportunity if David never got to interact with the kind of manifestation of his sister. Do you think this could be the end of Oliver and Melanie? You know, they say we're now living in the the astral plane in our little ice house. We're fine. Well, they did say it was three years into the future, so it's not fixed, but there's nothing to say they didn't go in for that entire three-year period. I think I would rather they do that, though, than struggle to place them, because season the weakest of part of all of season two for me has been the supporting characters. They've 
they've been okay from the perspective of new characters introduced into season three as tertiary characters. They were fine as that, but we know that's not what they were. They were secondaries. They have important things to say and do. They're not just people to run around in the background and, and fill in the space. So, so I would I'd rather that Melanie and Oliver went into hibernation now just to make sure they don't get wasted because Oliver was just useful enough to warrant being there and he did have some reasonably funny lines and of course he had a plop purpose in terms of being the body but Melanie was destroyed as a character there was I don't think there was anything good about what was done with Melanie this season she she was relegated out of the plot without anything that seemed to connect to the Division 3 takeover she wasn't that lost manager as I was talking about last week and then when she does come back she's a, a pathetic version of herself with no explanation as to why and given our are changing cultural attitudes. Hopefully, they making her just a somebody who defines herself entirely by her connection to Oliver seems like a a terrible step backwards. So, yeah. if she only goes further in that direction, well, she's already in a horrible place. So it it might be that Melanie, Oliver, even Ptolemy just have to go because. Anything else would be, would just be too, too, well, either boring or just cruel. Um, and they, and maybe if they 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 do that, they avoid the Gotham problem of too many characters, so they can focus more heavily on on the people that that have a reason to be there. And I'm thinking primarily of things like of, of Lenny, of course, because for a lot of this season, Lenny had nothing to do. And then Lenny was given something to do, but as you say, it kind of didn't go anywhere. So it's not that the character has no reason to be there. She kind of does, but it wasn't maybe used as well as it would. And so if they they ditch a few characters into season three, give give Lenny a bit more of a a foreground, give her a reason to do things, give her to be, let her be uh, David's conscience, that she doesn't want to be, but she feels like she has to. And he's keeping her around as a jester to toy with and doesn't realise the effect she has on her. All of a sudden she gains this much greater presence and value on screen. That, that, that's, yeah, that seems like any, any, uh, a more... It seems like it would, it would have a, a greater chance of being successful. could be contractual as well. You know, they, they put them um, on ice, literally, because uh, they don't know if you'll be able to get Jermaine, Jermaine Clement back next season. So keep them off to the side, won't kill them. So if we get them back, great. Or maybe they will just chuck them in for a couple of episodes. I don't know. Maybe they'll go visit them in the ice house. I don't know. Um, just for an episode or two, just to see yeah. what, what they're up to. Um, I, I did quite like the sort of what we do in the shadows esque interlude, though. Just the way it was shot. You know, the the kind of fuzzy film and and almost the reality TV show type angle to it. I mean, I know I just said earlier on I hate reality <laughs> TV, but, but, you know, I like artificial reality TV, you know, and I think they're missing a trick almost with um, with a superhero concept. You know, you could do it like a reality TV show in some ways. You know, maybe you've, 
I don't know, follow the Fantastic Four around for a week or whatever. And I don't think this is something that um, a TV show should do full time, but it's maybe something that's fun for an episode. Mm. So, you know, you could have an episode of Supergirl where it's inside the DEO, you know, something like that. But um, I don't know. It's just, I I found it visually quite fun. And I quite like the idea that they're, well, they're happy living in their little delusion, aren't they? They're just like, we don't know how long it's been. Uh, we don't even have a name for the length of time it's been, because we don't know. And it, it does harken back to the way the astral plane was um, was depicted in season one, because mm-hmm. Oliver had no idea how long he'd been there. So it's, it's all good, I think. Um, I quite like that sort of stuff. Just It's one of those non-sequiturs that, that kind of works. Is there anything else we need to say about this particular episode? We've talked about this episode longer than we've talked about three episodes, weirdly. Um, I've went through my entire notes, so I don't really have anything else. But do you guys have anything to wrap us up with? Aaron, any last things that we didn't get around to? I think I just round up the thoughts of season two on the whole by saying that there's some things about this that I've I've really enjoyed and I've thought they've done really well and it does prove that you can do a good season too no matter how difficult it might be um, things that I definitely want to carry over as well that we've, we've maybe not mentioned is uh, the Shadow King himself especially Navid Negevan playing it because he's done such a awesome job with it there isn't there isn't a scene that he goes wrong i don't so much presence yeah yeah oh yeah definitely um and the fact that he can throw in some just odd little things as well like he i I don't know does he actually speak four languages because even just being able to drop into those seemingly flawlessly and keep acting it, it, that just seemed impressive to me. I, I can't think in four languages. You know, well, I, don't speak, I don't speak four languages, so of course I can't. But, <laughs> but, but to keep that screen presence at every moment, to be constantly threatening, to be constantly charming whilst he's being threatening, uh, and then also throw in some, some mind puzzles like speaking in other languages as well. I mean, uh, who, who else on screen manages to do as much as he does? I think he's been great through the season as you know when you were when he first sort of popped up I thought oh well this is a bit weird well this will just be a character that's around for a couple of episodes and then it'll be another face uh, and for Farouk and they kept him throughout and he just got better and better I think the performance was just great just toned and toned bob on yeah I thought he was great as well Um, it's weird when you cast a character who can look and sound like anyone uh, as having a definitive like base form, because then there's the temptation that every time that someone else plays them, that they have to ape that personality. You know, they have to ape the the traits, the idiosyncrasies. So I think that it was interesting that they spent the entirety of season one just building up Farouk as being he can be anyone. He'll behave as he does in that moment. You know, if he looks like Lenny, he'll act a certain way. If he looks like anyone else, you know, it, it seems like everybody he embodies, he gives them a kind of specific persona so like the Lenny is always just uh, gleefully insane for instance uh, so 
the Farouk form, the main form, is that kind of gentlemanly, manipulative, suave, yet threatening. I always had him down as evil Poirot for some <laughs> reason. Yeah, suave, yeah. suave yet threatening, evil Poirot. That's a good one. Yeah, but like that, so it's, it puts less pressure on the other actors that when they're playing Farouk to copy that. Because the whole point of him being other people is that he is other people. So you shouldn't be able to see the Shadow King and the people that he pretends to be. Uh, that's that's kind of the point. And you still don't know if the Farouk, played by Naveed, whatever his name is, is the real face of Farouk. I mean, the suggestion is that it is because you see him in, quote-unquote, the real world in this episode. But still, there is that element of... What is real, or what is real to him after so many thousands of years of living as well? You're probably like, right, actually. I, I, I think I, the, the difficulty is one of those things where I'm thinking probably the best I can do is completely agree with you. So, <laughs> you know, it's one of those ones you good. think, oh, I don't know what to say. Reinforcement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Yeah, fine. Uh, my thoughts on season two are a whole... I think it's not as good as season one. I felt like season one was a lot tighter. Uh, I found myself a lot more engaged by season one. Season two did have some really good ideas, tied itself to season one quite nicely in in places. Um, I think the actors had a lot more to do in some cases. So Dan Stevens got to play around a lot more with uh, opening up David's personality than he did in season one, where he was kind of reserved and confused for most of it. Uh, What's her name? Rachel Keller, as Sid. She got a lot more to do, and she really grew into the role uh, Aubrey Plaza, delightful as ever in the various things that she plays. And then the rest are just kind of the rest, you know? Uh, Jermaine Clement's always fun, as as you mentioned, Aaron. He's always good entertainment value. But the rest are just kind of there and don't really grow or shrink as characters as such. I mean, in season one, you know, Carrie and Kerry were just incidentals anyway. But they felt like a part of at least the, the overall whole, whereas they're just not in in this season really you almost wonder why they're there sometimes but um, season 2 alright yeah a good a, a satisfying enough follow up I think for me season 2 was a bit of a mixed bag uh, there were some bits I really liked there were some bits that I just didn't gel with me well at all kind of the same as you Craig I think I preferred season 1 and one of the one of the bits I enjoyed was the fact that, like you said earlier on, Aaron, we were able to sort of discuss season one and put theories and everything out, whereas I feel that there's been no point in putting theories out for this season because there's not been an end thing that you're trying to figure out, really. Uh, also, a lot of stuff that's been thrown at the screen has just been white noise and dead ends. It's not been sort of, oh, that's there, because actually when you look back now uh, four episodes, that was there because it now ties into what we're seeing in the finale. A lot of it is, oh, that was just on screen because it was on screen and that's it. You know, it was there in the props department and they went a bit weird with it and don't question it, it was just there, okay? Whereas I feel that a lot more of the stuff in season one had been plotted and put into place on purpose. Um, But you know, maybe they'll do more of that in season three. Who knows? So I guess the last thing I have to ask is season three. Are we going to do something similar to we've done this season and last season? I still trust the show. I still think they've got a lot to say. I probably agree with Chris that 
there was there were less points to discuss on an episode by episode basis because they went more artistic than they went mystery but with the possibility that they might go back towards mystery in season three and as I say with the trust I think I've got in the writers then I'd be up for it still what about you Chris? yeah I think so yeah the episode by episode thing won't do that again that almost broke us all I think uh, once a week it's just not feasible when you have day jobs unfortunately um so, depending on how many episodes season three gets, I'm up for doing this again. We will work out some form of a schedule. If it's ten again, we'll do... Well, it was eleven this season, weirdly. But uh, if it is ten, we'll do the, the leapfrogging three or something like that again, or, or whatever. We'll just see what happens. But um, we will return for Legion season three. That was our discussion on the Legion season two finale, chapter 19. Thanks to YouTuber 331ERock for the supplied music. If you like what you heard, then please hit that subscribe button on iTunes, YouTube, or any major podcasting app. iTunes users, please share the love by giving us a star rating. Any feedback or comments that you want to share, then hit us up on Facebook or Twitter under Neil Before Blog, or leave us a comment on neilbeforeblog.co.uk. As always, we hope you'll join us on the next Neil Before Pod.